Welcome to Fur What It's Worth. Wait, wait, we're doing this thing? An introduction to and exploration of the furry fandom. I just want you to know that you're all perverts. I don't know what I'm doing here. Fun fact. Did you know listening to For What It's Worth has been shown in fantasy laboratories to increase sex drive and performance in males? I'm an innocent fox here. It's true! The only problem is then you're always thinking of your two full hosts, Root and Tugs. Actually, you guys are streaming live. Oh. Woo! So we are live. So I want to see you fix this as close. The topic today is how you got into the fandom. Today's guests, we will be joined by, with Click, Quinn, and Tanex. So, unfortunately, Tugs isn't here this episode. So, if you remember, like, the little sad episode that, you know, that um, Tugs ended up having a long time ago, probably in, like, season two. Well, guess what? <laughs> It's my turn now. Yay! So you get a show of who? Me! Woo! Everybody's so excited. So it's going to be an interesting episode. It's going to be amazing. We're going to be reading your stories on how you got into the fandom, but also we're going to be talking with a pa- our great panel of guests to talk about how they got into the fandom itself. So you know what? Since Tugs isn't here... I'm going to ask Koru, what have you been up to? Oh, not a whole heck of a lot. Uh, starting a new job on um, the, this coming Monday, and hopefully that's going to be better than my last job, since my last boss was a douche. Um, so deservedly, um, I don't need to work for him anymore because I was better than what he needed. So, <laughs> um, and it was a small business. It was literally just him. So, um, yeah, that's over with. So hopefully a new chapter will be starting soon. Well, congratulations. That's awesome. Thank you. Um, anything else that you've been up to? Any video games that you've been playing? Um, started getting into Plague, Inc. Um, recently. What's um, that? That's been a lot of fun. It's basically a game where you create a, um, a disease and basically you try and infect everybody in the world and kill off everybody in the world. That sounds like a pretty amazing game. It's I actually pretty cool. There's uh, some expansions on there. There's actually a Pokemon Go expansion for it, and it's how Pokemon Go infected everybody and destroyed the world. It's pretty funny. So you get to name your diseases and stuff like that? You can, yeah. I would probably call mine something related to some sort of a cookie disease of some sort. <laughs> I'm sure there's one on there. Uh, anywho, so uh, what have I been up to? Well, um, you know, we need to say uh, we have to take a little moment and say goodbye to the Nightside Project. Unfortunately, um, for those of you that know what the Nightside Project is, we used to have um, an individual that would come in um, from KSL Radio um, and come and talk to us a little bit about um, the Utah life that's here. And uh, and I'm sure that we'll probably have him on here again. But his show is unfortunately has ended so we're kind of a little bit sad that that that's gone um he was our guest a couple times he was our ask a human um furry questions wasn't he yeah yeah alex curie is his name and he was also on there with uh ethan and those two did the nightside project on ksl between seven and ten they did it for 10 years so it was quite a long run for them so congrats and hope they can um you know good luck with them in the future that's that's awesome congratulations guys for 10 years of entertainment there. 
Um, you know, as far as what I've been up to, you know, life has kind of hit me a little bit hard. And I, I'm not going to tell you guys this because I don't want to like, I don't want sympathy from the show or, or like I'm looking for sympathy, but life has just kind of hit me a little bit hard as far as, um, you know, finding out that, um, I have, um, a tumor in my brain and I'm going to go through some steps to try to figure out whether or not that it's cancerous and what are some of the the steps that I need to be able to take and um, it's something that's extremely scary but you know it's one of those things that life just happens and one thing that you'll you'll know is that you know me and Tugs we we're here to entertain you and we're here to help you out but we're we're also human beings and we have our own like own struggles in our own life and that's just kind of what happens is life kind of hits you hard sometimes and but um I'm pushing through and um we'll continue to to stream amazing entertainment so don't worry about the show going anywhere but um that's kind of what's been on my mind and what I've been up to um other than that I've been playing a lot of, a lot of video games to get my um, keep my mind occupied. Like, um, for instance, Metal Gear Solid. I've recently opened that up, and and that's pretty fun. Um, so yeah, those are kind of the things that I've been up to. Sorry that it's a little bit grim, um, but that's kind of how life is sometimes. Sometimes you have uh, the good times, and sometimes you have the bad. So, but let's get to the best time, and that is the cookie time. Will he reuse another one? Is he ready? Is he going to bed with pastries again? It's Ruse Cookie Time, not sponsored by Betty Crocker. So Ruse Cookie, here we go. There is no greater pleasure than seeing your loved ones prosper in bed with a cookie. Awesome. So, alright, that's First break. First break. Ah. All right, I'm glad that you had a wonderful potty break. And now we're back. And we're going to talk about the topic. What it is, is it is how you got into the fandom. So we have some lovely guests that are joining us today. First of all, let's start out with Quinn. Hi, Quinn. Hello, Internet. <laughs> How are you doing today? Oh, I'm fantastic. Awesome. Despite having to deal with traffic today. So tell us a little bit about yourself and, and what you've done on the show so far. Uh, well, I've been on two episodes in the past, uh, season, one, uh, season two, episode nine, and I can't remember which one in season four. But uh, uh, I was, and uh, I've brought in a few sites on, I guess, religion and uh, creepiness for the Halloween specials. <laughs> awesome, awesome. Um, so, how many cons have you gone to? Have you gone to any? Uh, for cons specifically, I've been to one, but I have been to uh, three comic cons. Okay, so tell us a little bit about your persona. 
Uh, my persona's a red squirrel. He's uh, 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 light tan with uh, red spiraling stripes. Um, and I have a short webcomic series about him that I'm hoping to get back to pretty soon. Uh, you can see that at, for Affinity slash user slash Del Cambo. Awesome. So let's let's go ahead and ask you the first question. How did you get into the fandom? Uh, so this one time I was at church. At and, band camp? <laughs> <laughs> and uh, I, was, I was sitting there drawing and a friend of mine, uh, who wasn't a friend of mine at the time, but uh, quickly became a friend, uh, named Rue, uh, came up to me and said, I like the characters you're drawing. And I know a bunch of people who are into stuff like that. Would you like to come out to a meet? And that was how I ended up going to a fur meet for the first time. <laughs> so, um, should should I be thanking that? I mean, I mean, should we throw that particular person into the into the middle of the street, or was I'll, that a good thing or a bad thing? I'll praise Rue, the great red fox of entering the fandom. Woo! The corrupter, <laughs> Rue the corrupter. <laughs> so, the person that just spoke, tell us a little bit about yourself. Who are you? Um, I'm uh, Tanax. I'm a in my ideal life. I'm a uh, cartoony Closer. raccoon tar. Closer. Uh, so, so, um, okay. So, how did you get? Um, sorry, how many cons have you been to? Wow, I'm really messing up today. <laughs> <laughs> That's okay. Uh, I've been to a heck of a lot of them now. First convention I went to was um, one of the early, earlier Anthrocons, back when it was uh, still at the Adams Mark. Um, I think it was about uh, 2002 or something. Hmm. Been around for a while. Since then, I've done... I haven't done as much Anthrocon anymore. I've done... Uh, BLFC recently, Further Confusion, uh, gone to Rocky Mountain Furcon, um, and uh, helped out a lot with the uh, local con, too, while we had it. The Furry Unlocked. Yes. Awesome. Um, All right, well, let's talk. um, How did you get into the fandom? (laughs) Uh, The internet. Yeah. (laughs) I... So explain yourself, <laughs> the internet. Oh, geez, you're going to make me out myself as like a gray muzzle here. Um, <laughs> yeah, I've always been furry, and part of the problem with being furry pre-internet is that there's not much to draw from once you get beyond a certain age. Um, you know, I, I got shirts that made people kind of look at me funny because they were really you know, gangster shirts just with anthropomorphic animals on them because that was high school. Um, But when I first went to college, that was the first time I had access to the internet. Um, And more importantly, the web browser Mosaic. Yes, web (laughs) 1.0. So, um, and with a heck of a lot of time, I visited a lot of sites through Yahoo. Remember, this predates Google by far. And eventually found a website, uh, the Avatar Archives, which contained tons of furry art, variety of different uh, uh, of different uh, adult ratings, you know, <laughs> from G to uh, X rated, and that was amazing. In fact, you know, I still have an archive 
of the uh, FTP site there. This predates the whole web page thing. <laughs> <laughs> so. Wow. So you know Al Gore. <laughs> <laughs> I've been directly affected by him, yes. <laughs> so, Mr. Al Gore, tell us a little bit about yourself. Who are you? I'm not Al Gore. That's all you need to know. <laughs> <laughs> I'm Click. Um, I've been on the show a few times. Um, I can't remember numbers. That's weird. <laughs> <laughs> I can barely remember the subject matter. Um, I'm a coyote most of the time. Some of you know me as K-Dub, who is also a mule and probably cuter. <laughs> <laughs> I like I like Click. It's awesome. I like like a K dub is cool too, but you can be kind of a little bit of an ass, just just a little bit. <laughs> a little bit, a little bit. Ah, I see what you did there. <laughs> so tell me a little bit about yourself. Well, what's to say? Um, I don't predate the internet, but I'm as old as he is. Um, no, I haven't. I haven't been in the fandom that long. You know, it's only been about five years for me. So, how many conventions have you gone to? Or what conventions have you gone to? Um, a lot. I kind of went gung-ho right off the bat. Um, I've been to quite a few. I've been to Califer a few times. Uh, obviously, uh, further confusion. Um, three or four years. Um, Rocky Mountain Fur Con, I've been to a few times. MFF, I've started going to, and I really like that one. Pretty much everything on this half of the country. Also, uh, Furry Unlocked was mentioned, but I don't know if I can count that as attending. <laughs> because you were the con the, chair. The last year that was around was my was my fault. You were the con chair, and I believe you brought donuts. I did. <laughs> so how did you land yourself into this furry world? <laughs> Porn. Porn. <laughs> Open yeah. and honest. Short short answer. <laughs> no, um, you know, honestly, it was it was kind of a weird period. Um, I I had just gotten divorced. Um, I was married for five years, lived by myself. Um, you know, kind of had the freedom to uh, look for what I really wanted to look for on the internet and. I knew what I was looking for, but I didn't know what was out there. And then I found this wonderful fandom. <laughs> <laughs> that sometimes drives us nuts at the same exact time, right? right. Quite, quite literally, Quinn. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, I like nuts. <laughs> nuts. Uh -huh. Who said nuts? <laughs> <laughs> so we have our very first email. We, you know what? I want to first of all thank all of our, um, all of our listeners for sending in tons and tons of emails we had. A lot of people um, send in information about their stories. And so um, we'll dive right into those emails right now. And we'll go ahead and have Jason start with that. <laughs> oh, Dark One. Wahoo! Dark One here. Finally caught all up on the backlog of episodes. Been with you since season one, episode one, and other than the archive, have listened to each and every one. It's been fun hearing you react to me and Rive, gradually commenting on all the show notes. I plan on sending an ident and a package too, so be looking forward to that. 
Now, where should I begin? What better a topic for me to finally chime in my two cents worth? My story starts in high school, around grade 10, compiling a collection of Digimon pictures to make something of a visual Pokédex for my game. When I happened upon a different site than from where I was getting the other images, a site that looked like it was made in front page. It's actually still up. They had a lot of transformation art. And the Digimon picture I was looking at led me to learning the definition of spooge. Enough said. <laughs> Back then, I didn't know what the furry fandom was. I only knew a little about transformation art. Plenty of tails bursting out of pants. Ooh. Oh, that's, that's awesome. <laughs> Things like Tai growing claws and turning into Agumon, Genki from Monster Rancher getting down on all fours, ripping his jeans and turning into Wolf. Rue must be squirming in his chair by now. <laughs> yes, I'm having to cross my legs here. <sighs> my first real introduction to furry wasn't until finding School Days by Krez Caravan on his personal site before joining Ink Bunny. All of his art style I've loved in everything he's done so far, and it's only led me to finding more artists on Ink Bunny through his favorites. And that's pretty much where I've been until now. Always look, feeling like more like an outsider looking in from the sidelines. I've loved the art for a long time, but I wasn't involved in anything. I had spent a summer with other relatives and had Minecraft with me to occupy my time. Playing that while listening to CBC, I grew to like listening to the guest stories that they would bring on. So I thought maybe I could find another podcast in a topic I liked. You can see where this is heading. Now I feel much more connected to the fandom. I joined the local Facebook group, and now you've replaced my Minecraft background music. Rue was really onto something when he mentioned, quote, It's the kind of thing you know where you were when, end quote. Everything I built, I can look at and remember what episode I was listening to at the time. You've been an awesome show so far. Here's to five more seasons. Dark One, the species pending. P.S. Season five. Guess my name. Although press to mute also works. <laughs> <laughs> so you get the opportunity as first response as the reader. Well, um, I think Dark Juan is uh, crossing his streams there by making a Pokedex for Digimon. That that stands out for me. <laughs> <laughs> so, but uh, I'm still thinking about tails bursting out of pants. That's, <laughs> that's what I'm thinking. That's the number one important part of that whole email. But I that. but I do <laughs> kind of a, I do agree that you know. Usually you find, especially when you're early in the fandom, you'll find some artist that for you really is incredible. Somebody that, that you, you look forward to for their, for the images, you know, um, dark ones was, um, uh, you know, uh, what Krez caravan and, uh, getting onto ink bunny, you know, uh, on, on my case, it was getting onto avatar in 19, 95 and 64 uh, oh, no. <laughs> no. <laughs> and um i remember one of the early artists that i really looked forward to and i still do is eric elliott he, he draws some incredibly detailed muscular werewolves and other critters oh my <laughs> 
So, any other thoughts from from you guys? Uh, I can relate to getting into the uh, transformation artwork. Because um, mm. <laughs> uh, when, I, when I was a kid, uh, I, I never actually read any of the books, but I was uh, fascinated by the Animorphs. <gasps> I read every one. Um, so I, I, I would actually just spend all my time just like looking at the cover of the book because I, cause I would, and I'd study each of the steps of the, of the progression on that. Uh, and then I, I was able to see a couple episodes of the TV show, but that was about that it. That TV show was terrible. <laughs> but not when you're two. <laughs> so, um, so yeah, and 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 since then, I'd, I'd been like fascinated with the idea of turning into dogs. And then when Pokemon came around, I was imagining turning into various Pokemon, and that was that was a lot of fun. So there's some uh, some of the early influences. Well, you know, I'm really really happy that you found the show, and it's been able to help you to kind of get out into your local community. And um, you know, the next step is, you know. Find out when the group meets are going on and up here and you'll, um, I promise you that you won't regret, um, meeting some of those individuals. You'll find some really, really close friends that, um, will be with you for hopefully the rest of your life. So any thoughts, Mr. Click? Um, sure. (laughs) (laughs) um you know i i kind of have a feeling that a lot of these emails are going to go the same way and this one is a great example of um you know i i i know what i want and i know what i'm looking for but i don't know where to find it kind of thing you know until you stumble onto that website or that you know that page or that artist that that you can use as a gateway to find the rest of it you know, it's it's kind of funny because I went to my first convention and made it all the way through to the last day before somebody said, what's your F.A.? And I had no idea what he was even talking about. <laughs> <laughs> it took me going through Second Life for um, at least six months before, well, sorry, three months before I was like, what's F.A.? And that was during the time where F.A. had frozen everything and made it so that you can't, you, you had to like... I think you had to be like referred or or they just had cl- closed registration nobody can could add. So that was that was quite some time ago if you guys remember that period. Yay. <laughs> <laughs> so, let's go on to the next email. We have an individual name um and I'm sorry if I butcher these names. I'm so terrible. <laughs> um Lu Lumio. I'm guessing that's I would what, say Lumio. Lumio. Okay, so Lumio said, well, I got my first taste when I found the furry side of DeviantArt, and it just got better from there, because I found people that accepted me for me, and that that understands me. I I got my first tell last year, I think, and that was after I found Weasel.com. And it really got me going. I started to talk to my friends about furries. And I have, I have a friend that used to live in Kentucky and has a friend who has been part of the Kentucky community. And she helped me, um, helped even more, um, especially when I was really depressed and suicidal. And that saved me. And recently had a friend teach me 
to draw. And right now, it's just MLP ponies. But soon, it will be much, much more. And it's pretty much my, and that's pretty much my story. I had a friend who, I mean, how new I was a furry before. Um, I knew which also played a part in my whole search for the community that I could fit in. That's awesome. You know, it's a short little story, but I'm glad that you've been able to find that community and find that, um, I want to say family almost, you know, sometimes it's, to me, it's like a family, but to find that community where they understand and they accept you for who you are. And I find, I think that's really important. And one thing that I think, and maybe you covered this in a previous episode, is that the furry community by and large is more accepted by people in general, especially more of, I guess, the nerdier sorts. Um, you know, growing up in, in high school, you know, the fact that I wanted to play riffs as a lion tar decked out with a whole bunch of missiles, but looking like a lion tar, you know, a robot that, that was, uh, um, fantastic. A lot of fun on my part, but my friends definitely gave me the odd look. Um, but on the other hand, uh, you know, we, we just had interns at the place where I work and, um, I'm fairly open at work that I'm a furry and, the, the interns were like, oh, yeah, no, we know about furries. And, and they were pretty cool about the whole thing, actually. <laughs> whoa, whoa, hold up. You played Rift? Rift, yeah. It was a role-playing game. Yeah. Interdimensional role-playing game. And you weren't a dog soldier? Um, <laughs> Not that game. Oh. <laughs> okay, just wondered. <laughs> All right, Quinn, do you want to read the next one? Yeah. Uh, so... Uh, a note to viewers before I get on to this. If you have an, a unique name, it might help if you send a, a pronunciation guide along with it. Uh, that being said, hello, Rutugs, Koru, and others. It's me again, uh, Mfalm Lion. Uh, ever since I was a cub, I've been obsessed with cats. There was one instance of my brothers tricking me into drinking a concoction of milk and cat food, and they said it would turn me into a cat. Of course I did it, and man, it was gross. <laughs> Anyhow, in third grade, I started reading a book series called Warriors, which was about feral cats living in the world, in the woods, surviving. Uh, reading, uh, I created my own cat, and I RP'd as her with other fans on a Nintendo DSi app called Flipnote Hatina, uh, where I made animations of warrior cats. Uh, it was that uh, it was that year of Halloween. I wanted to make my costume of her, and that's where I found out about fursuits. I looked deeper into it and fell right into the furry fandom pit. It was then I created my first fursona, Katrina the Wolf, and I made her into a fursuit. Since then, I've changed from a wolf to a lion, and I uh, became a a better fursuit maker. Not to mention, I was also starting to realize I was not a woman, but a man. So Warrior Cats brought me into the fandom, and I know uh, others have been brought in by the same book series. I hope you enjoyed my ramblings, guys. Enjoy your night, and found lion. P.S. Here are some pictures of my fursuit changes. Um, so that's fantastic. Uh, being brought in by books and, and your own imaginations and things like that. Um, and uh, it's fascinating using, uh, 
using the flip notes to make animations. Uh, I, I don't know much about DSi products, but um, I've wanted to make animations on, on my iPad and stuff. I, I hope you've been able to get uh, your your animations transitioned off of the DSI and saved on the computer for <laughs> for yourself. That that's really darn cool. <laughs> uh, has anyone here read uh, the book series Warriors? You know, I've heard of it, um, but the the one that I've been, you know, it sounds something kind of like kind of like Red Wall, but it's not. Mm-hmm. Is that kind of true? That, that's I, uh, from what little I've heard. That's probably about about right. I love but. Redwall. The Redwall series is just amazing. Yeah, but I know that that's not, that's not yeah. what we're talking about. But still. I, I could talk about Redwall for days. <laughs> oh my goodness! I, I there was a summer camp I worked at, and I would take quotes out of the Redwall book and write it up on the whiteboard. <laughs> <laughs> I feel that's, so out of place. <laughs> I ain't no butch for book reading. Read a book, donkey. <laughs> well, let's have you read the next email. <laughs> All righty. Um, hey, guys. This is my first email out to you guys, so I hope it reaches you okay. I've been listening to your show a couple of months now, but I've started from the beginning, so I'm only I'm still only on season two, but so far, so good. By the way, are you guys still doing the global map with postcards and stuff? I'd be happy to send you guys one from Wales. Yes, we are. So, I saw what the topic for your next show was going to be, and I thought I'd give my story on how I got into the fandom. I was basically a closet fur for a long time. I think I knew what a furry was, but I never really did anything about it. Um, I wasn't... It wasn't until I spent about four years around some of my closest friends that I realized that they were furries, too. When one of them was drunk and asked, does anyone else really like dragons? (laughs) I mean, like, like dragons. (laughs) I know that question always comes up when I get drunk. (laughs) Since then, I've been trying to get more involved in the fandom with going to a fur meet being the next big step. Thanks for reading, and I look forward to finally chatting up with all the pod, catching up with all the podcasts. (laughs) All the best. Facts, spelled F A H C S. You know, I do want to point out. You know, you could you could talk to the podcast as much as you want. Um, we may not get back to you just just so that you you know. Um, <laughs> Disclaimer. <laughs> <laughs> so, what's your thoughts, Mister Click? So, you know, uh, finding the fandom that way is kind of interesting. You know, finding out that one of your friends is a furry when he's drunk but um you know (laughs) hey you found it and that's what counts um as far as being involved and going to a fur meet i i i love fur meets i don't go as much as i used to or as much as i need to but you know when i when i started i never really felt like i was all alone because you know you have this huge internet community but the local community is really where you get the first hand, you know, you can reach out and touch it kind of thing. Don't make that dirty. <laughs> <laughs> now everybody just did. <laughs> but, you know, going to a fur meet is a great thing. I mean, it, it, you know, most of this fandom is, is really accepting and the people you meet are really nice. Some of them you're not going to hit it off with real great, but, you know, you will find friends. How about you, 
10 X. All right. (laughs) (laughs) It'll be a computer. Okay. All right. 10 X. What's your thoughts? I was just going to say, I find it interesting that he found out when, when his friends were drunk and and were finally talking about, uh, things like dragons and furry. Um, I mean, I know it's not something that, that, that often comes up in conversation usually. Um, not with the vast majority of people, but over time I've become a lot more comfortable with letting people know that I'm a furry. Um, again, as I said, my work knows that I'm furry. Um, and yeah, other people I know aren't, aren't as comfortable. But for example, when I first discovered other people that were in the furry fandom, it was because I was in college and we could print out, we, we, we occasionally had to test the printers uh, at the college computer center. So I printed out a couple of um, furry pictures, you know, of like a large werebear and things like that. And um, you could stick your printouts on, on the uh, windows in there. Everybody t- did. Um, and that's how I met it, because there were people that saw that and they were like, that werebear is freaking cool. <laughs> <laughs> or that's an amazing dragon on there. You and... know what? <laughs> you know what? Everybody is a little bit furry. Yeah. <laughs> well, speaking of printing out pictures, has anybody else experienced the first time when you didn't have a printer at home and you had to take you know, the USB or the SD card to Walmart to print out furry pictures, even if they're clean? Mm-hmm. No, that was just you. <laughs> uh, uh, that was just you. No, no, uh, we we uh, had a doubt matrix printer. Now it took like ten minutes and was incredibly <laughs> noisy to print it out. Oh uh, yeah, I've I've gone to Walmart to do prints, uh, to get glossy prints to make badges for people, but I never have any trepidation about it because the guy behind the counter hardly even comments. Yeah, they on don't it. pay like, attention. The the worst I got was someone made me sign a thing saying that this was my actual artwork and like. <laughs> <laughs> that you weren't violating copyright. Yeah, that's it. <laughs> All right. Well, we are going to go to break. First, we have space news, and then we'll be coming back to ta- dive a, a little bit further into your guys' emails to see how you got into the fandom. Hailing frequencies open. Smokescale Aquatus here with another round of news for you. As of Tuesday, August 9th, Here are your space headlines. The Atlas V rocket that will carry the asteroid sample return mission, OSIRIS-REx, has begun construction, and it's kind of unusual. The Atlas V will be flown in the 411 configuration, which has flown successfully on three previous missions. What makes it unusual is that the 411 configuration has the 4-meter fairing, one upper-stage engine, and one solid-fuel booster, and that booster is just strapped to the side, meaning the thrust the rocket will achieve will be asymmetrical. Asymmetric thrust can spell the death of a rocket, as anyone who plays Kerbal Space Program will tell you. As part of this rocket family's inherent design, a sort of dial-a-rocket modular system, the Atlas V has multiple configurations to accommodate different payload sizes and weights, as well as different destinations. With an odd number of strap-on SRBs, the fixed nozzle on those boosters is offset to mitigate the unusual center of thrust. The two nozzles of the RD-180s that power the core stage can gimbal to accommodate as well. The launch window for this mission is set to open the evening of September 8th. China's U-2 rover, which translates to Jade Rabbit, recently shut down for good on the surface of the moon. Back in 2013, the Chinese rover successfully touched down on the moon and began its science mission. 
However, not long into that mission, nightfall approached and the Chinese operators were not sure if the rover, powered by solar panels, would be able to come back online after two weeks of frigid nighttime. It has since then survived several night periods when temperatures dip into negative triple digits and can irreparably compromise hardware unless it can be warmed back up. It's believed that it finally succumbed to that cold, ceasing to operate during the most recent night period for its landing region. U-2 transmitted back roughly 7 terabytes of data during its groundbreaking 31-month mission and China's first to land on another celestial body. Good night, Jade Rabbit. You did an amazing job. NASA has officially put on paper how it intends to support SpaceX's effort to reach Mars through their Red Dragon mission. Currently, SpaceX is scheduled to land an unmanned Dragon 2 capsule, designated Red Dragon because of its target, sometime in 2018. If they can do that, then that would put the private company a decade ahead of NASA's own best estimates. It would also provide valuable data for how to pull off a manned landing. NASA is working on their Orion multi-purpose crew capsule, which will be used to send people beyond low Earth orbit for the first time since the moon landings. But that and the lifter designed to launch it, the SLS, will not be ready for a Mars mission until the late 2020s at the earliest. Right now, SpaceX is depending very heavily on debuting their Falcon Heavy later this year and hoping that the schedule doesn't slip further. The Mars-Earth windows only come once every 26 months, so timing is crucial. In other SpaceX news, the private rocket company recently did a hold-down test of a previously flown Falcon 9. This particular one came in harder than the others due to a more energetic launch needed for its payload and damaged one of the nozzles upon touchdown. That means this rocket is grounded and will never fly again. However, it does give SpaceX a chance to outline criteria for qualifying a rocket for reflight. They plan on testing this stage multiple times to gather as much data as they can while pushing it to its uppermost limits. The data they collect from these tests will help ensure future reuse is within engineering and safety tolerances. We're just that much closer to realizing SpaceX's plan for reusable, low-cost launch vehicles. That's all we've got for you this time. For more on space and space-related matters, follow NASA, SpaceX, OSIRIS-REx, and the Chinese Space Agency on Twitter, Facebook, and other social media. If you find you don't want to wait two weeks between space news segments, check out Tomorrow, that's T-M-R-O, on YouTube. They host a live show every Saturday and will hopefully be coming back from hiatus the weekend following the recording of this segment. By the time you hear this, the recording of that live show will probably already be posted on YouTube for you to watch. They've recently managed to secure a proper studio to broadcast from, so go check them out and give them your support, even if it's just a like, subscribe, and a comment. Until next time, this is Smokescale Aquatus saying, keep looking up, space fans. Hi, this is Dabby Fox from Virginia 540. You're listening to For What It's Worth. I love foxes and every furry. <laughs> I believe you start us out this calendar. Yes, yes. Uh, we have uh, an email from iPhone. Because nobody signed their name, so therefore I don't know exactly what to call you, but you are iPhone. So It's Jane Doe, dear <laughs> extraordinaire. Uh, or, according to you, crap phone.
right? <laughs> suck phone. Suck phone. Oh, suck phone. Is that what it is? Uh, I love my iPhone. Uh, so back in 1997, I was a local um, Colorado male. Um, <laughs> At a Colorado mall? Wow. Uh, Try that again. <laughs> no, we're going to leave that. <laughs> Ah, so back in 1997, I was at a local Colorado mall at a board game store um, buying stuff when I saw a flyer on the notice board about growing Denver's um, furry community. I didn't think much about it until I saw a fellow um, player Oh, a fellow played Magic the Gathering. So I decided to show up the day he specified, and he showed me a huge binder of Jessica Wildriff's Creators of Flagstaff Art. Is that correct? <laughs> Jessica, Jessica Willard's Creator of Falstaff. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Did you say Wildred? <laughs> <laughs> and the rest was history. Um, been part of the fandom ever since and was my, um, and my first con was conference nine sent from my iPhone. (laughs) Uh, Wow. I remember Jessica Willard. She was, uh, on Yerf frequently. You know what? But this is Jessica Wilfred, right? (laughs) (laughs) Wow. (laughs) Rue, I don't even, okay? <laughs> uh, well, thank you for sending your email in. I'm glad that you were able to find the the furry community. And that's an interesting one, finding it at um, furry the community at a board game store. And, that's interesting. And, and not only that, but the incentive being Magic the Gathering. <laughs> <laughs> Too many werewolf decks, that's what it is. <laughs> Just kidding. Yeah, uh, uh, when I when I started playing Magic, it was uh, the Shards of Alara block, and uh, I fell in love with the Leonin, of course. Um, mm. I actually have two characters that are based off of uh, uh, a couple of the, the cards from that block. Oh, uh, I'm sorry. Um, Tenex, will you please read the next email? I appreciate it. Sure. I'm easily distracted. That's why I'm a raccoon. Um, To the cast of For What It's Worth, I recently found For What It's Worth when looking for something to listen to during my commute and seeing what the fandom had to offer in podcasts. I can say right off that I really love the show, and I've learned quite a lot. I decided, as with most things, to start at the beginning and binged halfway through season two in a couple of weeks before the joyous surprise of a new episode on the front page. I just couldn't wait to listen to it, and I'm really excited for the new season. That aside, I wanted to take a moment to talk to Koru. I love cars. I work at Ford. And I think it would be really cool if you did an automotive segment or made it part of your airtime. But you can do whatever you want to. I love listening to you in the show, and it'd be cool to hear you a bit more. Also, I know it can be hard being a sound engineer and having your work mostly go on behind the scenes. And I just wanted to say thanks for all the hard work you've done helping produce such a great show. Seriously, Carl, that's amazing. Wow, thank you. 
Uh, I also wanted to mention how much I liked the space news segment. I always loved watching the world of space flight, and it's exciting to hear more about current events. As to what got me in th- into the fandom, I stumbled across the furry fandom entirely by accident at age 12 when I, out of curiosity, clicked on a search suggestion while looking up something else. <laughs> Ever since then, I've been a bit of a lurker, I suppose, not really contributing much of anything to the community, but observing the culture and consuming the media. Uh, for most of this time, I've considered myself a furry, but most definitely what some would call a closet fur. This was due to a number of factors, including stress, lack of free time, and more prominent life issues, like my first relationship, overcoming an addiction, and discovering I was bisexual. Five years ago, listening to For What It's Worth has made me decide uh, to begin being more active in the community. And after some false starts over the years, I finally started to formulate my own persona, Vlad the Coyote. It's been a blast hearing your take on a lot of different topics and learning to let myself interact with the fandom and take part in all the great things it has to offer. And I can't thank you all enough for putting on the podcast. Sorry for the long email. It's okay if you don't make Rue read it on the air, although I'm sure he's gotten better since season two. Not really. (laughs) (laughs) Yours truly, Vlad. (laughs) Oh, thank you very much, Vlad. You you cover an awful lot of things there. Um, Yeah, I I appreciate that you're recognizing Cora because I know he does do a lot of work here on the podcast. Um, I try. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And... I will say that 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 all the regulars here, you know, Koro, Rue, and uh, you know, Space and Tugs, they they do put in a tremendous amount of work for this show. So I'm I'm glad that everybody appreciates it here. And of course, we can't forget Fire Breath. Yes, good old Fire Breath, and we can't forget uh, our other sound guy, Mister Kagos, over here. Okay, okay, so I'm, mi- I'm missing most of the cast here. But, um, so, um, but I, I think that, that it was also interesting that, that he talked about discovering that he was a bisexual. Uh, for myself, and this is, you know, me personally, I, I do not mean to imply that, that this is true for other people. The furry community in, in a way... Well, well, furry in itself was part of the reason why I turned furry is because I could handle that more than my own homosexuality. Uh, myself, you know, I'm married now um, to a to a wonderful man, but that was, you know, that that was definitely part of the reasons why I got into furry and honestly into furry porn. Um, because looking at pictures of naked men, that was weird and felt wrong, but looking at a naked Tony, the tiger, that was hot. (laughs) 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 Let's face it. (laughs) I don't know if anybody's going to (laughs) disagree. You know, it's funny. You want to go down that road. So I mentioned that I was married and divorced shortly before I actually uh, you know, formally found this fandom. Um, you know, my experience with that is uh, w- when I went to my first convention, I still had no idea 
until, um, you know, I went to the dance and somebody actually started dancing with me. Had no idea who I was because I was in suit, um, you know, and, and really started testing boundaries, which I was okay with, but then I realized that it, I was really okay with it. <laughs> <laughs> was really okay yeah. with it. Yeah. So, you know, needless to say, I, you know, after that first convention, I, I pretty much accepted the fact that I was, that, that I was bi and, uh, you know, really in, enjoy what I have now. And, you know, the whole, the, the post-con depression thing hit me really hard that first time. I was sitting in the airport just sobbing. And it was kind of ridiculous looking back at it. <laughs> All right, Mr. Quinn, you want to read the next email? Uh, yeah. Awesome. All right. Our next email comes from Blaze, a.k.a. Bacon. Dear Koru, Tugs, and Rue, how I got into the Phantom is not unusual, but where I found it might be a little unorthodox. I'll try to keep it as short as I can. I was watching 1,000 Ways to Die on Spike, <laughs> a great source. No. I'll interject. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I was watching 1,000 Ways to Die on Spike one day, and this guy ran into some furries in the desert. From then, I decided to look up more on the fandom and saw, uh, saw the Strange Addiction episode, uh, or the My Strange Addiction episode. Uh, I then started searching iTunes and came across the podcast, and from there, I created my first Sona, Xander the Sky Demon. I had a sauna change. Since then, I've been the fur you see today. Keep the uh, keep up the good work, and hope to hear awesome some aw- some more awesome episodes from your bacon husky Blaze. Okay, awesome. so I'm confused. How what? How did you die in the, or how did they die in this episode with furries? The bear. So it was a, it was a bunch of furries in the desert getting it on. Mm-hmm. This guy stumbled into them, um, decided that he wanted to be involved. Went and found a real bear, and it didn't end well. Wow. Is, I, hope it, I hope this was an animated show. No, this it is, was this very is poorly animal. reenacted. Yeah, it's live action reenactment and documentary style. <laughs> it used to be on Netflix for a while. It was a good show. I liked it. <laughs> Papa Darwin was happy. Yeah. <laughs> This is my appalled face. <laughs> I'm, I'm seeing that face. I wish that the audience was seeing your face. Well, hey, um, thank you so much for sending that in to us. Yeah, Appreciate and, it. And, and, and way to get over that first hurdle of, of uh, furries being portrayed on TV. Yeah, really. Oh. If, you, if, you can, <laughs> yes. if you would discover it that way and then get through it and find out what it's really about, good on you. <laughs> All right, Click. Do you want to read our next email? Okay. Uh, Sure. So, back in Australia in the late 90s, I was 14 and already fairly familiar with the Internet. I ended up checking out a book from the library about online games. One of the chapters was on mucks, and I found Furry Muck. I clicked right away. It clicked right away for me. I'd been going by furry handles online and on BBSs for several years, but that was my first brush with the furrydom. I've been on furry muck ever since. Met up with furries in real life a year later, moved in with them, and when I moved out of home, oh, moved in with them when I moved out of home. Despite this, it wasn't for another seven years that I actually went to a real convention due to me being mostly in the wrong country. 
Australia only had a smaller gatherings of 30 to 40 people at the time. I believe they have more than one convention now, don't they? I, I believe that they have a couple of conventions <clears throat> down in Australia. I'm still relatively active in the furry community now. After having been in it for more than half of my life, my original persona is old enough to vote now. (laughs) (laughs) Have a good show, Tigger. If you're an old school furry mucker, do you know about Lumpy the Squirrel? Because I worked with the guy (laughs) in real life (laughs) (laughs) while I was in college. (laughs) Well, you know what? Hey, I'm I'm glad that you um you got into the fandom through through furry muck and awesome that you're from Australia. Um I love that place. It's so good. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> I lived there for two years. I wanna go back there one day. It'll be awesome. But anywho, Jason, do you wanna read I mean <laughs> 10x would you like to read your next email oh certainly <laughs> okay um hello for what it's worth i hope i haven't sent my email in too late but i decided to give it a try either way spoiler it wasn't too late <laughs> upon hearing this topic my first thoughts were oh amazing they'll probably get emails from all six of their listeners but who knows maybe if you played a certain recording you could get more insert i like being anal i like being anal audio oh no i was on the episode where that Uh. stop and look at tugs still think you're innocent rucifer yes (laughs) anyhow i I shall now begin our adventure begins in a little nintendo dsi feature called flipnote studios a place where you can make short animations using only three colors two layers of paper and the ability to add background music i had just found out about this cool new feature about two months after receiving my dsi for christmas in 2011 so i guess i was pretty ignorant the thing it was, at this point, I still had no idea what the furry fandom was, but we will reach that part of the story soon enough. I began exploring this new feature on my DSi, and lo and behold, there was a button that instantly connects you to a website called Flipnote Hatena, where people from around the world can share their flipnotes with each other. Each flipnote was about 7 to 15 seconds long, but it was definitely worth it, because most of them were hilarious. After looking around for a while, I saw someone was doing art requests where you drew your character from the front, back, and side views, like reference for an art commission, and reposted the animation once she did. I noticed her animations almost always included a fuzzy character, so I asked her, via animation, what it was, and she explained to me that it was a furry, and then went on to explain what the furry fandom was. About a day or two later... She gave me back my character in her style, both a wolf and human form. I was almost in shock at how awesome it looked and immediately and took an immediate liking to the idea of furries. A few weeks later, I adapted my character to better suit to me. And here we have Enoji Kingura. The name was something I'd already had for a while for another group I was part of, but I'm not sure I wanted to get into that story. (laughs) As time passed on, there were many times I began to lose interest in being a furry, though, and I nearly left, but one event sealed the deal for me to stay. 
Flip note, Hatina was going to be shut down. There was massive outrage to Nintendo by many animators and artists, including the artist who drew my character. Even though repeated emails were sent to Nintendo to, in an attempt to stop this, it still had no effect, and everything landed on deaf ears. And eventually, Flipnote Hatina was shut down. I guess you can imagine how it felt when the community you were so proud of to be a part of is destroyed and taken away from you no matter how much you fight back to prevent it. I had only one thing left to show for it, though, my character. I didn't want it to go to waste, so I stuck with it, and I have met amazing people like you guys in this wonderful community. After this event, my character is not only something that represents me online, but is now something that reminds me of the astonishing animator community where it originated from. At that point on, I've slowly become a furry lifestyler and have been keeping up for quite some time now. That concludes my story, and I really hope that I am not the only one out of the six listeners who will send in an email. Thanks for reading this one, though, even though it was quite long. Inoji Kangura, furry for four years and counting. Well, you know, I want to point out, you know, as far as the amount of emails that we end up receiving for this particular episode... Um, you know, counting them up, you know, that means that somebody ended up sending an email twice. Yeah. So, or a couple <laughs> more times. than one person. As you said, that's more than that. So somebody's creating multiple personas, and they're being different personalities. That's what's happening. Or, or, or maybe they entered the fandom, got offended, and left, and then came back another way. So is this a Fox conspiracy that we're hearing about, <laughs> Rusev? <laughs> well, we only have six listeners, so <laughs> it's my story, and I'm sticking to it. <laughs> And, and I'd like to note at this point that I'm glad I'm a guest on the show, so I don't have to worry about forgetting to send in an, ep- an, an email. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you so much, you guys, for um, for sending in all those emails. That's that's pretty much all the emails that we end up ended up having sent in. Is that correct? You guys see any more? I think that's pretty much it. So let's discuss a little bit before we. We close. Any thoughts? Yeah. Well, one thing that the fur community um, can provide, and I think that it, it, it is a sense of community, but of course that also depends on how much you're looking for that community. You can certainly uh, lurk for years and years and years, um, you know, just having an FA account, um, liking liking people's art, for example. Um, but, you know, if you really want to meet people, and there are a huge variety of people to meet, you know, the, the furry fandom is a great way to do it. So what does the furry fandom to you, 10X, mean to you? <laughs> you had to think about that, didn't you? <laughs> <laughs> um, It it's a whole bunch of weird and crazy people and we don't always get along but we try and I think we try hard to understand each other and accept each other for who we really are. I mean, uh I have met a variety of people here. Um some 
that, you know, if I were to meet them in normal life, I would definitely describe them as strange. But certainly in a fur meet or a furry website or in the convention sense, if you can manage to make it to a convention, it's just fun. (laughs) (laughs) It really is. (laughs) We are the biggest and best most dysfunctional functioning family there ever was. <laughs> and and we are so incredibly creative. <laughs> I mean, I, I went to a, um, to a sci-fi convention um, when I was in high school, and it was cool and all, but to some extent, it was like going to a group of, of normal stores. You know, okay, you you had comic books there that you couldn't normally get, but they were still published comic books. Um, you you could, you know, that that were more general audience. Um, the furry community, heck, you have if, if you go to a convention, you have artists right there drawing art for you. You you have people fursuit makers who they have hand sewed those fursuits. They did not buy these mass produced uh, by by some imported um, Chinese company. They they make them. They we make most of the stuff that we consume. So you've got Sofa Wolf making publishing furry books <laughs> made by furry authors. So what you're saying is the furry. What's unique about the furry fandom is, it's an, your, it's a self-made community and fandom. I mean, yes, we are a self-made we, creative we, community. Yes, exactly. Yes. I well, mean, we do receive, um, you know, inspiration. Like you know, we get Pokemon or Digimon <laughs> or, or Brony, whatever. You know, different things like that. Tony the Tiger. Yeah, yeah Tony. T- <laughs> yeah, Tony the Tiger. Robin Hood. You know, those things do ins- inspire us, but it inspires us to make our own creation, to make our own characters. Well, that that's you know, it's been said before, and it's it's actually been said quite a few times, and I I really like it. Is one thing that makes this fandom unique and great is the fact that it is completely self-made. You know, you've got so you, if if you go to sci-fi fandoms or you know Comic Con or even uh, you know Trek conventions, they're all centered around something that was made by somebody else that people love, which is great, and it you know it's a wonderful thing to be into. However. Everything in the furry fandom is self-created. You know what I mean? We're not we're not following something that was created and then we like it. It's we like it so we created it. Yeah. Even as you said, even when inspired from other things like uh at BLFC this year, I saw a couple of uh uh Lombax fursuiters, but they were obviously their own Lombaxes <laughs> here. They they weren't being ratchet. They were being themselves yeah yeah or well their own characters that's just it we can you know we we take inspiration from other things but you know most of the stuff that's made in the fandom is unique people make it their own you personalize it to your own you know what you like and what you're into even if it even if it is inspired by something else everything we make is unique all right mr quinn yeah What's your thoughts? There's very little to add on top of all that. I mean, that was just a cascade of of 
uh, true facts about the furry fandom. Um, but I, I, I also love that it's a, um, uh, that not only are we uh, capable of creating, but like there's, uh, there's so much feedback and wealth that you can get from the things that you like. It's, it's uh, all the positive reinforcement and, uh, and, and also just being a kind of, in some ways, just letting itself be a trash community where we make fun of ourselves. You know, like <laughs> you, you have to be able it, to make it, fun of yourself. You know, yes. Yeah. In and some of the things that makes that easier is you have you have your persona, which is you slash not you, and you can always just project things onto it, and you know, and, and have fun and be be you and be your persona, and and nobody cares. You know, it's. Uh, but everybody cares. Exactly. You know? No, that, you're exactly right. <laughs> that's, you know, that's the thing is, you know, maybe maybe kind of a, a PSA, I guess, for, you know, if, if people are just finding the fandom and they stumble on this podcast, you know, one word of advice is, uh, you know, be who you are and do what you do and be happy with it because that's just it. Nobody cares and everybody cares. Some people are not going to like what you do. That's just how it is. But there are people out there who do like it, and there are people who will love you for it. Well, I mean, you you you, you also have to not be annoying about it. Like, when I'm at <laughs> work, I, I don't talk about furry all the time. Yeah, my, you, you don't insist <laughs> that everybody refers to you by your persona? Yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> well, no, that's, yeah, that's true. You know, you... And that's, you know, a big key to being in this fandom is you do have to keep that separation. Some people are better at it than others, yeah. but you, you do still have to, you know, you have to hold on to that sense of reality because real life sucks, but you have to deal with it. <laughs> <laughs> well, <laughs> yeah, if only I could be a raccoon tar. <laughs> well, this community is just amazing. Like, it's it's great to be able to be a part of it. Um, there's some great and amazing talented people that's a part of it. And it's just amazing that, um, and again, with all your guys' stories, you know, to see how each of you found the fandom and how did you, and how you got into it. And, um, as you can see, you know, it, it happens differently for, for everybody. Um, but the main important thing is that we're all here and we're all part of this dysfunctional, um, but amazing community, and I'm glad that that I'm a part of it. So, all right. So next up, we have get psyched and an old timey ad, and then we have the game. Hello. Welcome to Get Psyched with Dr. Nuka. As many of you know, I'm part of a team of researchers called the International Anthropomorphic Research Project. Together, we've been studying the furry fandom online at, at conventions for the past five years. This year alone, we conducted two different convention-based studies, one at Texas Furry Fiesta and the other at Anthrocon. These studies had a combined sample of more than 1,500 furries who answered more than 300 questions in total for us. Now, when we do these studies, we tend to do them old school, with pencil and paper. As a result, yours truly had to enter nearly half a million individual pieces of data, all of it by hand. 
That's why, despite collecting this data months ago, we've only now finished our first analysis of it. Now, in general, when we finish our analysis, we post our findings on our research website, furryresearch.org. This is where we present our findings in an easy-to-read, organized format that includes lots of graphs and explanations, so furries can have up-to-date information about their fandom. But I figured this year, it might be fun to try something new in addition. So here's a list of top 10 interesting new results that we've had about furries just this year. Number 1. Furries tend to do pretty well in school. While we've known for a while that furries commonly identify with geeky, nerdy sorts of interests, and many furries end up going to post-secondary education, this year was the first time we asked furries specifically about their grades in school. And it turns out, they're doing pretty well. More than 40% of furries had an A average, and another 45% had an average grade of a B. Number 2. In past furry studies, we've learned that the fandom contains numerous subgroups. This year, we collected data about how prevalent some of these subgroups are. The most popular subgroups were gamers, at about 65% of furries, followed by science fiction fans at nearly 50%, and anime fans at about 40%. Other groups of interest included military furs, who made up 6% of furries, musicians, who made up nearly 13%, baby or cub furs, who made up 7%, and poppy furs, who made up 5%. I'm still not sure I can tell you exactly what makes a furry a popufur, but it turns out that for at least 5% of furries, it's relevant. Number 3. Until recently, most of what we knew about fursuiters had to do with how many of them there were, or how many furries just wanted a fursuit. This year was the first time we asked questions specifically about fursuiters for fursuiters to learn about their demographics and what makes them tick. The first thing we learned? Women in the fandom tend to be much more likely to fursuit than men. Number 4. We also learned that fursuiters are pretty similar to other furries. They identify just as strongly as a furry themselves, and they're no more likely to identify with their fursonas. Fursuiters are no more likely to want to be an animal or to see themselves as being a human as other furries do, and it turns out fursuiters like hugs just as much as other furries. Number 5. Fursuiters do differ in a few interesting ways, however. On average, they've been in the fandom longer, they seem to be doing better when it comes to the psychological well-being, and they're happier and have a better sense of who they are as a person. That said, fursuiters are also more likely to be picked on or bullied, both from outside the fandom and from within the fandom itself. Number 6. Personas come in all shapes and sizes. Over the past few years, we've seen hundreds, even thousands of different fursona species and hybrids. But this year's study found something remarkable. Most fursonas tend to be on the completely anthropomorphic side. Almost 75% of furries describe their fursona as mostly or completely anthro, compared to just 7% of furries who said their fursona was mostly or completely feral. About 17% of furries describe their fursona as being somewhere in the middle. Also interesting to note, how anthro or feral a furry's fursona was has nothing to do with their personality, sex, age, mental health, or how furry they were. Turns out, it may just be a matter of preference or taste. Number 7. It doesn't seem to matter whether furries choose predator or prey species. Contrary to the hypothesis that furries with predator fursonas are more likely to bully other furries, especially prey furries, it turns out 
both groups get bullied and bully others to about the same extent. Number 8. Personas may actually play an important role in protecting furries against threats to their self-esteem. Furries who were asked to think about the ways that they weren't living up to their potential tended to feel sad or bad about themselves. That is, unless we ask them first to think about their fursona. When they thought about their fursona, this potential threat to their self-esteem had little to no effect. While we're not fully sure how this works yet, one possibility is that identifying with a fursona might distance furries from the identity under attack. We'll test this and other mechanisms in future studies. Number 9. We asked furries whether they agreed with a number of potentially controversial issues in the fandom. As it turns out, most furries disagree that the fandom is either too open or not open enough about sex. Furries are also largely in disagreements with excluding any specific people from the fandom. On the flip side, most furries agree that the fandom should be open to anyone and that furries need to worry less about what other people think about them. And what's the most hotly debated topic in the fandom? Whether drama was an inherent part of the furry fandom. Apparently, the jury's still out on that one. Number 10. Furries really do help one another. Most of the time, this help comes in the form of advice or emotional support, and that's frequently in the form of giving money or other forms of material assistance. Furries who've been bullied or who've given help in the past are the most likely to ask for help. Older furries and furries who've given help in the past are the most likely to give help. These findings reflect what many furries say about the fandom, that the community and those who support it provides the best part about being a furry. This has been a quick look into the newest discoveries about the furry fandom. To learn more and see all of our findings, you can check it out for yourself at furryresearch.org. I'm Dr. Nuka, thanks for listening, and I'll see you next time on Get Psyched. You're listening to For What It's Worth, brought to you by For What It's Worth brand vacuum cleaners. When you need something that sucks, think For What It's Worth. Your house is looking sharp. You've furnished it with For What It's Worth brand furniture. You've hung For What It's Worth brand curtains over the windows. You've even mounted some For What It's Worth brand art on the walls to add value and beauty. Why, you've even lined the whole house with For What It's Worth brand stain-proof carpet, even the garage. Sure, the carpet won't stain, but it still can get dirty, especially when that naughty car decides to jump up on the couch where it doesn't belong. Getting all that carpet clean is going to be a huge chore. Well, not with the For What It's Worth brand vacuum cleaner. Enchanted by a mystical wizard, our patented canister can handle any amount of dust, dirt, dander, and loose fur. Why, it even doubles as a humane trap for microfurs. Don't worry, they're into that sort of thing. With a wind demon trapped inside the primary fan housing, you don't even need electricity to suck. And don't worry, he can't get out. He's bound by our ironclad for what it's worth brand contract service. Oh, the joys of eternal servitude. We call that job security. For what it's worth brand vacuum cleaners, the competition blows compared to us. Not intended for sale to canine customers. And now for this week's secret code. It's a long one. 4, 15, 14, 20, 6, 5, 5, 4, 
nine, twenty. One, six, twenty. Five, eighteen. Thirteen, nine, four, fourteen, nine, seven, eight, twenty. Good luck. All right, and now we're back, and we're here with the game. And I have here my Steam colleague, Mr. Voss. Does that mean I just lost? <laughs> I just lost the game. <laughs> no, you're not bringing that back. That's terrible. I will never let it die. Oh, my gosh, that was so bad. That game ended ages ago. So many people just groaned. Uh-huh. So bad. Is, is, is this the game where we see if Rue remembers my name? <laughs> I don't what, know. What Tenex. was that about you insisting everybody call you by your persona? <laughs> uh, all right. So what this is, just to give you directions, this is uh, true or false. Um, let's see. It is time to read the news of the weird. After that, we'll ask you a related question to which you can respond as a team and earn one point per correct answer. And to let you know, it's a mostly true or false, not all of them. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. (laughs) Mostly true. So we answer true, false, or... Or (laughs) bad. I'll let you know whether it's true or false. Do we, do we have to log into PolitiFact to find it to find out correctly? This is weird news, not depressing news. <laughs> All right, should we start off then? Yes, go ahead. Question one. I'm sorry. Question one: A plane recently crashed in Dubai, landing on its belly on the runway before exploding. Ooh, ooh! You don't bury survivors. No. Oh. <laughs> no passengers were killed or hurt in the evacuation process. One thing passengers did, which c- almost cost lives, was stop to get their luggage before going to the evacuation slide. All right, so the question is, what is the average number of handbags women own globally? I feel whiplash. Like all together? <laughs> That's a lot. Or each individual? Average number. Average per individual? Yes. Four. Yeah. Yes. That's not true or false. <laughs> <laughs> That's why I said mostly true or false. Uh, four? Four sounds like a good guess. Only four? Uh, uh, I don't know. I don't know how many handbags. I don't own do a handbag. No, I don't, but like my mother's owned a number here. Um, Maybe if you guys each say a number and then make the average of it, it might be correct. <laughs> We're not playing wits and wagers. <laughs> um, oh, okay. well, I'll take his advice though. Um, I'd say like six or seven handbags. So we'll split the difference and say five. Five, five, five. Is that your final answer? Five, five. And uh. <laughs> the answer was six. <laughs> well, uh, close, close, but you no cigar. <laughs> or yes, seven or yes, eight. Yes, but we submitted five and now my ego is dead. Uh, <laughs> all right, question two. It may be the most magical place on earth, but not even th- that could save this clumsy cast member. A Disney employee donning a dopey costume on a boat was filmed nearly going overboard and taking Goofy out with him 
during a phantasmic performance Sunday. Snow White's silliest dwarf was cheerfully seen parading around a two-story balcony at Florida's Hollywood Studios when one misstep sent him tumbling off the edge. Mickey's trusty sidekick, Goofy, broke his fall. (laughs) And I've I've seen the footage on that, and the thing that most surprises me was that Dopey's head was able to fit through the railing. (laughs) Oh, wow. Missing the foot is like, uh, the the misstep isn't the surprise. The surprise is that his head fits. I saw that. I saw that video, too. That was pretty funny. True or false? The famous balcony scene in Romeo and Juliet involves a balcony. Why would it be the famous balcony scene if it didn't involve a balcony? That's a trick question. (sighs) Oh my god, it's been decades since I've read Shakespeare. I never, I don't ever remember hearing anything about a balcony except when people are recreating the scene. Uh, especially in, in the text itself, uh, Shakespeare yeah. doesn't really set a lot of settings uh, in in stage direction. I, I think and, I agree if and, for this. Uh, Romeo is actually in the garden, and Juliet is just at a window. Yeah, I, I, okay. I, 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 I agree with you, Flynn. I'll go with it. Yes. Ding. Yeah, <laughs> that, that is, that's exactly correct. That is one hundred percent correct. So, Good thing um, somebody here reads. The answer was <laughs> false. The original script calls for Juliet to appear at a window. Sign, I, question number three. Signs are currently posted in the athlete restrooms in Rio for the Olympics. The same as Soki, where the following activities are explicitly prohibited. Puking, standing on the rim of the bowl, fishing, peeing with one leg lifted like a dog, throwing toilet paper <laughs> in the bowl. As a furry, I'm offended by the, uh, yeah, I was gonna the say, lifting I, of the leg. I was okay with that, but fishing? <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, there, there can be interest. Ne- never mind. I'm right. <laughs> <laughs> Those stories are not true either. True or false, you can get athlete's foot from your pet. Ooh. Wow. This is a really good question because that seems plausible. Because uh, ath- all athletes' foot is a fungus. Yeah. yeah funguses aren't terribly... Uh, they, they, they do want certain conditions. It's probably not likely because your pets aren't... Uh, they don't wear shoes. They don't wear shoes. And, and they're not particularly moist and they don't... Yeah. Their sweat doesn't get everywhere, and that's and and that's why at the pool the athlete's foot is usually the highest concern, is because it's a moist environment, and people walk around barefoot. So you want to say false? So I, I, uh, I yeah. Well, but the question is, it's possible. Yeah. Well, if anything's you put possible. Bo- if you put <laughs> if you put booties on your 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 pets. <laughs> so uh, true or false? Can uh, you get athlete's foot from your I'm, I'm still <laughs> leaning towards false, but... I th- yeah. think possible, so I would say true. Yeah, I think it's possible. It's unlikely. Deeply, deeply unlikely. All what right, somebody so, has well, to... You know, uh, You're the tiebreaker. No, I kind of agree with... Well, I agree with both of you. However, the way the, <laughs> a, the, way the question is phrased is the possible thing. Yeah. If it was an absolute one way or the other, it would be easy. So I, I'd, I'd have to lean towards true. So true is our answer. Uh, our answer is true. That is correct. Yay! <laughs> <laughs> Question right. number four. Scientists have proven the longer someone takes to reply to you, 
the less they like you. Messaging makes the inevitable happen more quickly. If someone fancies you, the chances are they will get back to you quickly. The rapidity with which people do reply is more of a modern phenomenon, however, as Dr. Blueburn explains. People get back to you quickly because we're constantly dealing with incoming stimuli. We're always on and no longer live in an age of delayed gratification. Unfortunately, the same applies if they do not feel the same way. On the other hand, if another person does take their time, it does not bode well. True or false, the population of Mexico is 7.76 million people. That sounds more like the population of Mexico City. Yeah. Oh, I meant, sorry, the population of Mexico City. (laughs) (laughs) True. Is 7.76 million people, true or false? Uh, it's a pretty big city, if I, I recall. Say it's true. A, but, uh, mega Mexico City is yeah, and, horribly yeah. packed. And, yeah. So we'll say true. True? True. And. Oh, ho, 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 So the answer is false. false. Yeah. It's 8.851 <laughs> million, except it just dropped a little bit since people commuted home um, from work. For the weekend. <laughs> oh, wow. Oh, yeah. Okay. We were not getting that one. <laughs> Question number five. If you're a regular at KFC, you'll know that meals typically come with a side order and you get a choice. Do you go for the beans, the coleslaw, corn on the cob? Maybe, but most likely not. Of course you don't. You probably go for the gravy because the gravy is clearly the most unexceptional choice. If this sounds like you, then prepare to rejoice, because KFC has just unveiled the thing we've all been waiting for, a gravy fountain. Yes, that's right. No longer will you have to dip your crispy golden fries into a boring old pot. You'll have a waterfall of delicious chickeny gravy to flow over your chips. Well, if they roll out the fountains to all branches. No, (laughs) bad idea. (laughs) No, I, I love the gravy hate the fountain because other people are dipping their fries in there. They're, and double, they're dipping. double dipping their fries in there. <laughs> they're double dipping. That's their recycled. Yeah. <laughs> so true or false. Pillsbury once owned the Burger King chain. Well, I don't know. I don't know if Pillsbury was ever that big. I would say the conglomerate that owns Pillsbury probably owned Burger King at some point. I am throwing darts at a wall. (laughs) (laughs) All right, what's your answer? (laughs) True or false? It's Fox. It's Fox. It's Fox. (laughs) A point. No, I'm just kidding. No no point. No, I I, I would lead towards false. That was the last one. The last one was false. Judging Judging by, you know... The game oh, of numbers. The we're we're pattern true. matching now. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> uh, I wouldn't be surprised if it was some other uh, company that owned Yeah, that stupid King, Mexico City question. I'm going to lean towards false. I'm going to lean be, towards false. No, that's not true. It was actually craft. <laughs> All right. What is your final answer? False. 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 <laughs> it is true. They did in the 70s. Ooh. All right, Koru, where are we at? 
We are at two right and three wrong so far out of five. Ah, I hope right. we're not playing for any prizes for our listeners. <laughs> We'd be deeply disappointing them now. All well, right. This is all for your self-satisfaction. Oh, and it's already pretty small. <laughs> Question number six. Changing room waiting times can really slow down a shopping trip, but not for one woman who decided to try on underwear in the middle of the Primark shop floor wearing nothing else on her lower half. Horrified shoppers told of how they saw the woman stripping naked from the waist down in the Falkstar branch of Primark. She reportedly tried on no less than four pairs of underwear before returning the garments to the shelves and leaving the store. The company confirmed the incident took place on the afternoon of Tuesday, August 9th at the store and Boisvar Place Shopping Center. Shocked eyewitness Jenny Davidson told Mail Online that she saw the woman taking off her tights and underwear in the middle of the shop floor to try on a pair of knickers, seemingly not phased by the other customers watching her. True or false, the first documented striking was in 1802. Striking or strike? Striking. Like streaking. Streaking. Oh, streaking. Oh. Oh. Well, I'm going labor disputes. Hmm. Yeah. <laughs> streaking. Sorry. What was the year again? The first document streaking was in 1802. What Thank would you happen for correcting me? I was going to say, t- so is this like the actual technically streaking? Because people have been naked forever. Yeah, yeah. But it, it does list documents. But it was more the it so. was more I think streaking more came about once there were like sports events that people started going to <laughs> like baseball. Yeah, what are you going to streak at at uh, 1802 is uh, yeah. a duel? Yeah, I think walking down <laughs> Main <laughs> Street <laughs> nude was con- just considered public indecency. <laughs> so true or false? I want to say false. I think it happened later myself yeah that sounds right okay but the number yeah i'd say true but whatever all right what are you going with true or false i'm outnumbered okay all right that is correct (laughs) but not because you think but the person that wrote this is kind of a little bit of a dick (laughs) (laughs) oh (laughs) it was captured in a photograph from 1799 (laughs) so so three years off of it being true. I, I mean, I sense evil in, in these questions. Did you have a hand in them, Rutherford? Uh, maybe, maybe. No, um, I don't, actually, this time. Number seven, please. A group of dogs were sent into a frenzy on their afternoon walk after chancing upon a giant sex toy, which ended up as the <laughs> top prize at the pet owner's golf tournament. <laughs> Chocolate Labrador Galaxy. Got all hot under the cooler when he found the foot-long toy during a stroll in Newton Lee Willow's Merseyside. And the pooch's owner, Stay Harrison, was so impressed by the discovery that he took the giant sex aid along with the, along to his football club's fundraising golf day. And it now resides proudly <laughs> in their trophy cabinet. <laughs> Oh, wow. Um, you know, just we, we should let them know that Bad Dragon can really hook them up with an impressive <laughs> piece. <laughs> yeah, well, that, 
foot long. Wow. I think it's small. True or false? 600 cows are required for each football season's requirement of footballs. Judging by your questions, I'm going to say false because it's like 597. <laughs> 602.3. Yeah. <laughs> see, I, just, I see a different bit of nefariousism going on because uh, it, it might be leather from uh, not cows. Actually, that's true. It's not cows. You're right. It, it's Because uh, they're referred to as pigskins because for ages they were made from pigskin. Yeah, but now they're all synthetic. Yeah. It's, so I would say be false. surprised if almost zero cows are required. Is that your answer? Yeah, I'm going with false. False. And the exact number? And it's 600. <laughs> so it was true. Hmm. All right. I wonder where uh, all the footballs I've ever owned were were synthetic. So yeah. I'm wondering where they stick the cows in. in well, them. Uh, well uh, they, these are regulation. That's true. Things, I've never actually so held an NFL regulation true. football. Question eight. Nature shows can usually only be improved by the dulcet tones of David Ottenborough, but an apparent Netflix glitch meant that BBC, BBC show about wildlife got a hilarious makeover according to one Imgur user. Ben Meyer 84 uploaded a series of photographs of the television featuring an array of wild animals where the subtitles didn't quite match the images, although you might say they improved them. <laughs> <laughs> in one, a wolf narrows his eyes as if he's deep in thought when the subtitles read, bought the wrong toothbrush, should have done more research. <laughs> <laughs> True or false, Netflix was founded after an experience at the Blockbuster, which resulted in a $40 late fee. I would say probably yes yeah, for that one. <laughs> anything that says Netflix resulted from bad experience at Blockbuster. Yeah. Yeah, but there again, it's probably like a $43. <laughs> Still, I have no trust in your questions anymore. <laughs> Still, this one, I think we we can probably go with true. What do you think? Yeah, It would, sounds true. Yeah, it's true. true. That is correct. Yay! Yay! <laughs> we have... Points. <laughs> <laughs> Question number nine. San Francisco, August 11th. A group of people dressed in Bart Simpson masks swarmed San Francisco's Bay Area rapid transit system. The stunt was part of an art project by Elisa Patel titled Bart on Bart Hashtag, in which the group of Bart Simpsons rode the Bart from 24th Street to the Embarcado. Patel shared video of the stunt to Twitter as more than a dozen people in Bart masks joined public transit passengers while the Simpsons theme song played in the background. According to Patel, the goal of the project was to bring art to the overwhelming number of people who make use of the public transit in San Francisco. Bart carries more than 420,000 people a day and has historically had little art. In comparison, the SF MoMA recently raised 245 million and in the year of 2012 it had 632,000 visitors total 
Patel wrote on Instagram, this, that's about 1,700 visitors a day. Not even 1% of BART's daily traffic. Seems like an opportunity. True or false? There are 96 different subway combinations. What do you mean by combinations? Like, uh, is this the restaurant change? Oh, okay. I was thinking of subways, the actual transport, <laughs> given the previous discussion here. It is from the restaurant chain. Okay. <laughs> You're not supposed to say that. That was a... <laughs> well, don't worry. I, I picked it up before. Don't, don't be evil, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. I'm trying combinations? to tame the Rucifer here. <laughs> how many combinations did we say? Oh, sorry. There are 96 different subway combinations. False. I believe there's more there's than There's got to be more than there's, that. There's, yeah. Especially given all the different vegetables and the... And how much... It becomes, yeah, quickly becomes you, a factorial. You can make the meatball sub 1,500 different ways. And how much you spend. Yeah. yeah. The, mm. the variety of meats, the variety of cheeses, the variety of breads... You know, um, all the different sauces. There's got to, There's way more than 96. There's way more than 96. Okay, so what is your answer? False. 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 All right, so that is correct. False. The Subway sandwich chain has 38 million combinations. Yeah. <laughs> From 96 to 38 million. Alp. Yeah, there's a couple more. <laughs> the power of factorials. <laughs> all right, Corey, where are we at? At Five correct, and and we'll ignore the rest. <laughs> <laughs> and four wrong, so they're doing good. Woo! So let's see that if you can get more than 50%. Well, if we stop now, we're, we're good. good. Yeah. <laughs> Will you get a passing grade? Let's find out. <laughs> Here on, for what it's worth. <laughs> All right, question 10. Montreal, August 12th. Thieves in Canada made off with more than 5,000 gallons of maple syrup from trucks stored at a local warehouse. CTV reports the shipment was meant to be sent to Japan before day delays forced it to be locked away temporarily. Vice President of Music Scan Cargo shipping company Alfredo Monaco said thieves broke into the warehouse and stole a shipping container carrying 20 pallets with a total of about 5,283,000 gal gallons of the syrup. According to the CBC, the shipping company is offering a $10,000 reward for the load's return. Monaco said insurance will not cover the total of the missing goods, and the company would lose about $60,000, making the decision to offer a reward an easy one. $10,000 is not much compared to the value of the goods, Monaco said. All those sad pancakes now missing out. <laughs> if, Think about if, the waffles. <laughs> if I'm thinking this right, that's about 35 tons of maple syrup. So true or <laughs> false, no building in the world has weather inside it. That Every building has fun. weather inside no, it. No, there's actual uh, yeah, there's, buildings that are have large enough areas. There's, Heck. there's weather patterns in... Uh, uh, the, football stadiums. There are yeah, well, there's and there's one airline, air, you know, airplane hangar that actually does create its own weather systems. And there are also, of course, plenty of labs where they do things like create <laughs> clouds indoors. So that one is definitely false. False. That is correct. 
So, false. Woo! NASA vehicle assembly building regularly has clouds and other weather um, phenomenon inside, which is not part of their experiments. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I should have remembered that. I just read a, an oh, Imgur yeah. post about that not too long ago. Oh, well. So, what was the overall score? They got six out of ten. Better than 50%. (laughs) Congratulations, you have the high score of the season. (laughs) It only took three of us together to get it. (laughs) Well, with three of us together, we're we're still half a brain. But we're. (laughs) (laughs) Well, as far as the game, that's it. You guys did really well. So next up, we have the mailbag. My little donkey, my little donkey, drive through the sky, ride on a cloud. My little donkey, kind-hearted donkey, sometimes donkeys can So somebody, like, pretend to do the mailbag. Here. Well, I, I could just unzip. <laughs> do, 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 do. Wow, 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 wow. Come on, somebody do the zip. We already I did it. You missed it. Oh. I'm wearing gym shorts, man. I don't have some. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So we have an email that was sent to us. And let me grab that. Um, maybe we could put some elevator music on or like something. Uh, it will take me a lot longer to find something that's royalty free. So. <laughs> <laughs> Dogs can do something in post. That's copyright. You can't use that. (laughs) Does anybody else here in their heads tip me over and pour me out from I'm a Little Teapot when the Jeopardy theme ends? Yes. Because I I think that every single time. (laughs) And we're waiting for Rue, who's sitting on his butt, (laughs) looking through his phone. Here he goes. Here's Rue. I'm going to have you read this one. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, boy. Apparently, this email has length. (laughs) (laughs) Ah. All right. Greatest enemy, length. (laughs) Oh, ouch. Wow. No, I just need more of it. (sighs) Wow. That was a fantastic episode. Sophie was great. Wonderfully articulate, fun to listen to, and most objective speaker I've heard on this uh, on the subject. Definitely on the hoppiest side of the fandom. I was amused by her avoiding the whole lifestyler debate, but it also sounds like she was shifting out of the fandom while all that was gaining speed. Something I'm really glad you did in the first part of the episode was try to set a sense of tone of the fandom was like back in those days. Without social media, we communicated differently. The Rhythm was slower, different, and it's so hard to describe and put into words. Did you ever get any kind of response from Spike Trotman? Anyhow, I'm mulling if I should post anything in this episode comments. It would be a disjointed set of reactions to various things mentioned during this episode. Like, I don't recall an incident with miners at a slave auction. That's the sort of thing I'd want backed up. But then I'd stopped attending the West Coast cons at the time. It was expensive to fly out there. But yeah, there wasn't much due diligence at conference or anywhere else in the fandom in the early 90s. I was in my early 20s, so it was something I usually noticed. But the early 
CF art shows had their adult art hanging openly without being put on a separate auction or anything. Conference did, however, definitely card people. Not so much at registration, but they had a charity fundraising stage show, a combination of sketches, but also a strip show. They carded to get into that. It also meant that all other events that they wanted to use the stage had to work around the metal pole smack dab in the middle of the stage floor. <laughs> but I ramble as usual. Great work. Man, we need to get Nuka a better microphone. Brought to you by Tom slash Dronin. Dronin? <laughs> drone on awesome thank you for um sending that in just to give you guys a a little bit of a catch-up our last episode was about burned furs so i don't know if you were um if you were there at any part of the burned furs i i remember the burned fur thing happening uh on you know primarily showing up online but at the time, I wasn't going to a lot of the conventions, I guess, that uh, were part of the reaction. <laughs> All right, we have one other email. Thank you, by the way, for sending that in. And do you guys have any other comments? I have, I have no knowledge of this. <laughs> They're youngins. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I can't comment without context. <laughs> I could. It wouldn't make any sense. Just start yelling things. <laughs> I like candy. noises. Shinies are best. <laughs> I like the sound that bricks make when you smash them together. <laughs> <laughs> All right. This is from um, Lee, um, Lee Mio. I'm sorry if I, if I mispronounced that. <laughs> Lumio. I am sorry. Um, hi, guys. It is Lumio um, Whiskey. And depending on how the weather is down there on the um, Texas coast, I am either um, Lumio, my former, um, my fonter, or Whiskey, my G, G, um, uh, sorry, G Chef Hus Husky mix, um, with a little roddy for the hottie. So my question is, what if one day you woke up and everyone in the world was an actual anthro animal, like a real fur, I guess? Is, is that um, what you could say to the planet? Um, anyways, that is my question. Um, with lots of hugs and otter kisses, this is TM um, Limo, I mean, Lumo, Lumo. Um, signing out. It's two in the morning because I stayed up all night to catch up on the podcast. Aw, thank you. <laughs> so what do you guys think of the question? So what? let me rephrase it. So you wake up and everybody is their personas. That would be freaking awesome, but I would need to do some work on my car so that I could ride in it. <laughs> <laughs> That's what I was going to say. It, it, it sounds great, but everybody wakes up as their persona, so nobody can use utensils. Nobody can drive a car. No, I could use my <laughs> utensils. I, my, 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 I, ha I have hand paws. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but, but the big problem is uh, none of my clothes will fit anymore. Oh, yeah. Well, 
We'd have to rip holes in all of our clothing. We, we would have so many tails bursting through pants. Oh, oh my gosh. Gee, what a problem <laughs> to all have. Of them. Dragons <laughs> would have an advantage over the rest of us when it comes to transportation or any of the flying. Any of the comply. Pegasus. Yeah. Cheater. <laughs> <laughs> the shampoo market would crumble. Oh, yes. <laughs> well, and what would happen to the people that don't have personas? Would they just become like... They would be the outcasts. <laughs> <laughs> Shun the non-believers. Well, uh, if, if we were to go back to the question's original thing, they would just become an animal of some sort. That, of some sort. Yeah. That, uh, randomly assigned by chance because they didn't go into the login on Fur Affinity and put <laughs> make one. Yeah. <laughs> You snooze, you lose. I'm sorry. It's like the TMNT uh, role-playing game where you roll on the random species table. <laughs> <laughs> Let's see. What are some personas oh, that would be really hard to like Like, be? I've seen this individual that um, he he's like half octopus and half fox. Oh. <laughs> Interesting. <laughs> that would be awkward. I, I want to see deer try to put shirts on. Yeah. <laughs> Button up for life. Exactly. <laughs> um, and and I think the um the anthro sharks would have a very hard time dealing with if they're not located near the water, any of the uh, aquatics would be in dread. <laughs> <laughs> and what about food? Like would it be like Zootopia? Is that what well, it would turn into? No, no. They just talked the... about the human population. It sounds to me like our normal animal population is fine. So you well, know, but our... that's just it. If you so so, if you turn into like like if I went K Dub and turned into a mule persona, does that mean I can't eat meat anymore? Oh, yeah. <laughs> I would die. By the way, uh. <laughs> change your persona quick, quick before you <laughs> while quick. you have time. Put in your backstory that you're omnivore. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> hey, I'm not hurting for that as a raccoon here. I eat everything. <laughs> Uh, well thank you so much for sending that in um that was fun (laughs) that was a lot of fun any other um comments on that uh i i would uh since it's waking up like so is this a a time zone thing so that there are people waking up in in australia (laughs) that are already their persona but it's but we have to wait for 6 a.m pacific time and and then there's the people who work the night shift where they don't get to change until after they go (laughs) (laughs) Well, I want to thank the three of you, the four. I mean, well, technically, there's a whole bunch of us in this room. (laughs) (laughs) The cast and guests. The cast and guests. I want to thank all of you for for being here today. And so if they want to reach out to you and, you know, tweet to you or um, catch you up on your podcast show or just, you know, ass around with you. What? <laughs> you know, you stared at me a long time before you came up with that. I couldn't figure out what to say. Anywho, so how would they get a hold of you? That's hard. I don't do much on social media. <laughs> so, um, you know, yeah, I'm 10X Raccoon uh, in lots of different places. FA and um, Twitter, you know, um, but... Yeah, I, I will be honest. I, I check my social media very irregularly, so it it's of the uh, yeah, so if I don't get an immediate response back to you guys, it's 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 not you. It, it's me being <laughs> super busy and yeah. You know, 
So I'll tell you what, things. if you have something for him, email it to the show. We'll yeah, that, that that's, that's much better. Yeah, get it to Rucci. <laughs> he, knows, <laughs> he knows me. You, you just told the entire fandom, it's not you, it's me. Yeah. <laughs> yes, I did. <laughs> All right, Quinn. Uh, I can be found on Twitter at Quinn Stormcloud. That's Quinn with a Y. And uh, I just started a, a, an FA account uh, under the same name. Uh, and I also have my own uh, podcast where I do my own uh, asinine ramblings called Days at Night. <laughs> and what do you talk about it on Days at Night? Uh, we pick random topics. Uh, it's, it's a general discussion show uh, with three friends, uh, uh, two of my friends from work. And, and that's that's pretty much all that it is. And so how far. do they tune in to your episode? Uh, you can find us on iTunes at Days at Night, and uh, we we also have a subreddit uh, that's still under construction. Uh, it's r slash Days at Night. Awesome! And if they want to commission you, uh, send me lots of money. <laughs> <laughs> uh, unmarked bills. Unmarked yes. bills. <laughs> Small, unsequential. Uh, <laughs> yeah, uh, reach out. You could probably uh, reach out to me uh, at my FA or on Twitter. That'd be the most, uh, the quickest way to reach out to me. All right. What about you, K Dub? <laughs> well, um, on Twitter, it's actually just at Clickyote, uh, K L I K Y O T E. Um, usually K Dub's on there too. Uh, K Dub doesn't have his own Twitter, but. <laughs> Uh, Twitter's the best way. Um, I don't ever look at FA anymore. It's been a long time. All right. Well, now we have housekeeping. Housekeeping. Insert audio here. <laughs> no, no. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So we're going to... Um, we definitely love you guys commenting on our site, and we've seen some amazing um, comments on there. It definitely helps to drive traffic um, to the site itself, and also we love seeing it on the site. So please continue to comment there. Um, also, we have our social media. Um, I mean, with our social media, you can reach us out through Twitter, Facebook, and we also have Telegram. So if you want to get onto our Telegram, you can actually um, search through, um, there's actually a Telegram um, free search site. Um, it is actually posted there. I need to actually find out what that's called. Yeah, there's a site. Go find it. <laughs> it's oh. called, everybody pull out their phones. <laughs> Let's see. Just type furry telegram. What is it called? Furry-telegram-groups.net. Yeah, I think that's it. <laughs> there you go. So we're also located on there, so you can find us um, for what it's worth. Um, Tug should also have the link um, somewhere on the site. Um, you could also find us through our Twitter. We've posted the link there as well. Um, come join us. Have a little chat with us. We would absolutely love for you to come and join the madness. Um, the next, yeah, my phone just died, so I don't have the show notes anymore. Yay. So <laughs> that's what you get for having a suck phone. Oh, suck phone. thank you. Thank you. Thank you. So um, make sure that you, um, again, comment, um, join our little, um, little discussions 
And also, yes, that. We are apparently not on the first page. It looks like you have to go to the second page. Okay. So what? What? On the furry-telegram-groups.net. Oh. Okay. There's that many furry groups? Well, that doesn't surprise there's, me. There's tons of furry groups that are there. You could just do into the search bar for what it's worth. That, too. That would no. work. Doesn't look like it's on the uh, second page, either. <laughs> Who knows? Are you sure it's there? So, um, the next episode, the most important thing, is on Pokesonas. Yes, we're going to be diving into or catching them all with those. Um, we're going to be throwing Pokemon. <laughs> bo- uh, this is terrible. I have wow. train wreck. Train <laughs> wreck. <laughs> that was horrible. You're, bum, he, bum, he, so I, I know they're hot, but you can stop thinking about the <laughs> the pokeballs, the, the pangoros for for a few moments. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> so, did Pokemon affect you? Did it bring you into the fandom? Um, are you a pokey fur yourself? Do you like to poke at their furs? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, tell us about your experience. Why I are just you got a poked. Why are you a Pokemon? Do you feel like that because you are taking a character that's already been created, are you, uh, I mean, that's a little bit stretching it, but do you feel like it's copyright or, um, you know, do you feel like that you're not original because because of that, which, which I pretty much know the answer to that. Just, you know, give us your experience. Give us your feedback on um, Pokesonas. Um, if you're not a Pokesona yourself, tell us how you feel about them. Do you feel like that they're um, something that's completely different from the fandom? Are they like the brony community where it's like, oh, okay, brony community, you go play over there and we're going to do our own thing. Like, explain to us, how do you feel? All right. So that's the end of the episode. So this has been Rue. And Quinn. And Koru. And Voss. And click. And 10x. And you've been listening to For For What what It's Worth. Ah, you guys all did it. I'm so proud of you. (laughs) Oh, oh, and really, really quickly, thank you so much for all of our sound people. And sorry that Tugs could not make it. So I appreciate it. Thank you. The end.